0: What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show. My show, your show. I I actually was thinking the other day, I missed you guys. I was like very excited to get back on a podcast and not even like, I didn't care what we were going to talk about. I was like, whatever, what, what do we want to talk about? Okay, we had a couple of good topics, which I'm actually really excited for. I feel like it worked out, but um, it was like well overdue. I'm like, I, I love the people I've had on my podcast lately. Love. I think they've been great. But I also just like circle back around. I'm like we should just definitely be doing this monthly, like on a on a routine. So whatever. I think, I think we are.
1: Open up your Calendly and book them. And I think what's so weird is like you know we saw you in Austin for a second, and it's just like we miss you too. It's like oh, yeah. I like legitimately can say like we are friends with Jordan Lips. Like we have seen him out of the Zoom podcast in person. We have eaten sushi at his house. Yep. We have yelled at the TV screen together. It's.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, good. To, good to all be back on together. We have some good. Uh, topics for today, which I'm excited about. Is there anything that you guys want? Just like life updates, anything that's going on? You guys had a challenge that we were talking about. Uh, You want to talk a little bit about that? Plug it. I don't even know. I know what it is, but like, I I still wanted to ask you a little bit more about what it is.
1: We are actually just finished, wrapped up day four today. So tomorrow is the last day of it. And it was just like a fun way to like, um, I think give back to the people who follow us on Instagram live. Um, Tomorrow they'll be able to, uh, you know, ask whatever questions they want, but it was fun to kind of break down what we love to do code from a coaching perspective in um, just a more like intimate setting and kind of face to face, kind of like if they were to jump in with us right now, they'd have a great time um, to be able to talk about like a lot of the crap we see on social media, which is also why I really look forward to our podcast with you because we always are exchanging dms like did you see this did you see this did you see (laughs) like like last night's uh the the pill thing that celeste threw into like the chat about like protein without the calories i'm like (laughs) what
0: (laughs) can i also touch on that real quick you sent me that and it was like um it was uh, yeah they also also just like chose there's like listen obviously when you're marketing you're doing things intentionally and so there was like a protein without the calories and naturally and that natural in the pill form and then there was a lady doing like What looked like a yogi, like very deep squat, like hip opening drill, like clearly not somebody who's like a legit resistance training, because this is not marketed towards anybody who has any understanding of resistance training. Because if you do, then you would know this is bullshit. Um, I also am just it is blasphemy every time I think about these products that like there are products that like you could cherry pick like some studies out there, and you're like, oh, this is why we sell this because it works. You know, it's uh, carcinia cambogia or, uh, L, you know, uh, L-carnitine or glucosamine or glutamine. Like you could you could find an obscure study that when you look at the whole, whole of the evidence, just it's bullshit, but you could at least weasel your way into some rationale. There are some things that I just like, I always imagine that there's people sitting around a boardroom and somebody like goes up with a presentation and they present something where there's literally like, 99 percent of the way to the evidence has confirmed that this does fucking nothing. And people are like, yep, package <laughs> it up. Like we're gonna sell it. Like you just straight up know this doesn't do anything.
1: Oh, a thousand percent. Well, and even like I was actually um, it sounds really weird, but I was actually like, oh, you got the lingo real, like you got some seriously good buzzwords in this, in this ad that were <laughs> are totally like our target demographic, right? There is something called a lean bulk, and it's real. Okay. Hold on. Period. Right. And then adding lean muscle without the extra layer of fat and without the need for cutting. So they obviously assume that anybody who sees this ad knows what cutting is right. Calorie deficit. Right. But not with the protein powders. Most of us use, which are blah, 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 blah. I didn't even, you can't even hit. But then my, also my favorite is like, you know, perfect amino, which is plays to everybody who like wants to be perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, the eight essential amino acids optimized for 99% utilization asterisk <laughs> asterisk.
2: I wonder what the asterisk, could the asterisk mean? Disclaim is not supported by the FQ. <laughs> exactly. Disclaimer, there's actually
0: nine essential amino acids. And so we just, we left out whichever one was the most expensive. <laughs> it's, like-
1: it's like, it's like the, but at the same time, I could see why like the people who follow us would be like, oh my gosh. Oh, protein without the calories. And it helps me get a lean muscle protein. without, not only muscle, I get without more fat? muscle and no cutting
2: involved. I mean, and then, like her background is all like serene, like you know, yeah, get-
0: yeah. yeah, calm, very calm. not very calm. not rusty weights. Yeah. It's very calm and tone. Yeah, totally, hundred percent.
1: Lean and tone, lean muscle.
0: Tone. Yeah. Because
1: lead muscle is also not a thing. Did
0: you did you Google tone the other day? Is that what you were doing? Oh
1: my yes. gosh! Can you believe that? I feel so like freaking Oxford Dictionary just totally like kicked us in the nuts. <laughs>
0: I mean, they got to keep up. And so, you know, the, the it's been now added as a, an actual word. I mean, not that, I don't know when this went, when this was like added to the dictionary in this way, but I, I was, it was interesting to see, I guess it's still a real word. Like, I don't like like shitting on Like Everyone knows what you mean. Um, It's yeah. just unfortunate that it's, it still has like a, just a marketing stigma and Well, and the thing that
2: bugged me the most was like when they used it in a sentence, they were like, know, the pushups yeah. will tone your abs. I'm like, yeah, yeah
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: True? but you read it in the
0: dictionary. So I don't know if there's a, you guys have ever read emotion, uh, not emotional intelligence, um, um, uh, motivational interviewing. Oh my God. And motivational interviewing. If you're a coach listening is the single greatest book you could ever read. Don't read anatomy first. Don't read physiology first. Go read emotional interviewing. It's the greatest book you'll ever read, but they, it's just about like structuring conversations with clients to affect behavior change. It's like brilliant book. But they have, they realize that the the general book, like the original uh, motivational interviewing generally is really good. But if they could apply it to different fields that you could get those fields to read the book more. So there's like a emotional interviewing for, fitness. It was like emotional interviewing for this other, whatever other topics. Um, and so there's one that's health and fitness and like, and I almost want to tell people don't get that one because, uh, it's just like the, the, it's, I don't know when the book was written, but it's just like, it's like Sally had two apples. It's not even up to speed. It's not even up to date enough to demonize blood sugar. It's already already worse than that. It's like demonizes stuff that was like in like the seventies and eighties. And I'm just like, I just like so cringy. I'm like, probably don't even buy that one because it's just going to bother the hell out of you or confuse you. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know how I got on that tangent.
1: Well, no, we're just talking about like language and Oxford dictionaries and like things that they feel like, oh, if it's published in a book, then it's got to be true, right? But to also prove how Oxford Dictionary is super toxic, look up the word obese. Oh, they, it's super, it's super shaming. Like right. I was actually really, really pissed off at their at the di- the dictionary entry for it. Like it's, it's like, I mean, no wonder why we have the. Like the a biases, reaction yeah, to it, that, that like word, yeah, that you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost like it's.
0: Well, it, it's I'll default. read it for you. It's, it's, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I'm not looking at the same thing you were. It says, well, yeah, the so qual- just look,
1: at, look under similar. Okay. So, like, if you, if you Google the word obese and then, you know, obviously Google takes us to, directly to definitions from Oxford languages, which is my yeah. automatic default setting. So, like, look up similar and just read similar.
0: Oh, geez. Hold on. First of all, the, the word is gross, I guess, grossly yeah. fat. That I, the technical word of gross meaning a lot, but but it so i that's a, like technically, that's like a I get it, like grossly fat just means a lot of fat, technically, but right, not really. Uh, you're saying well, even, okay, si- similar, but even fat. the
1: sentence says a hugely obese young man, Is yeah, totally obese, like redundant too. Seriously, totally, but, yep, that's well, totally yeah, like, true. But we'll read the words, even the ones yeah. that are kind of highlighted,
0: yeah, fat, overweight, corpulent, gross, stout, fleshy. Oh, Jesus.
1: Bovery. Well, roly-poly, beer belly, paunchy.
0: Oh, I didn't. Padded. I didn't click the down arrow. Oh my god.
1: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Oh no. Right?
1: Like doesn't? It, I mean, then you wonder why. And then, so the word bulky is also similar to obese. So no wonder why everyone thinks that like getting bulky is yeah, obviously.
0: and and bloated. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah.
1: Oh, fat yeah. phobia is real for sure.
0: Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, that's poor. That's poor. But I mean, the god, it, I'm not even. It doesn't even. I won't lose sleep over this. Just out of a low standard that i'm holding like i just have a low uh i don't believe that they're gonna do their like utmost to be as like pc and helpful as possible they're not they're not worried about this like i'm not yeah yeah yeah. arguably Urban at least
1: urban dictionary is real straightforward about how everything is this word is really awful this is what it means (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you ever look up like a not that you uh, you would do this, but you and I have had that that funny. I don't know if you sent me this of like this, the C word. And like in America, it's like the worst word you could ever oh, yeah. say. But then, I think you sent it to me and it was like some guy talked about it it's like getting like a, a like a Starbucks or something. He's like, have a good day, you know? And then it's just like <laughs> how many ways you could use that in like in a non-negative way. Um, and I just was dying. All, all Australian people fucking kill me. The fact that that's such like a mainstay of their vocabularies, unbelievable.
1: Um, I know like James Smith PT, every single time he has like oh. a video, I'm like, I like it. And then I'm like, oh,
0: <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's interesting how words have become bad. I mean, that's an interesting, just like an interesting thought of, uh, just, it's just a sound, you know what I mean? That we just like have decided to associate that's a like, cringy and it like has, I wonder what the most, what's the most like cringe word that like elicits the most cringe response. Um, I don't even want to say them on here. So it's like a verbal podcast. I would
1: it. say that. Yeah, probably this, the the C word like mm-hmm. that we just talked about. Like it definitely, I, there's definitely a reaction when I hear someone use it just because it's oh, so I Googled anything it like I ever, ever hear, mm-hmm. especially here. I mean, it used to be that, I mean, the F bomb used to be that way when I was a wee lad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can <laughs> like I, I'm going to say, like, I'm going to say if you're listening to the podcast and you want to like turn the volume down for a second, but I need to read out the top 12. Um, I'm is gonna it read out the topic. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, yeah. It number one is number one, it's just if you're not down, just turn the volume. Sorry, I apologize. It's happening. Number one is squirt. <laughs> number two number two is moist. <laughs> number three is squelch. Then secrete what? panties, defecate, flaccid, oh. yeast, chunk, orifice, <laughs> coagulate, oh, crev, and crevice. I'm dead. Oh, and ointment. Yeah, ointment's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's, hysterical. that's hilarious are you seriously like, um, masticate didn't even make the list
0: masticate's pretty bad too yeah that's pretty that's i not mean really i remember
1: when i first heard that word i was like it just means chewing.
0: yeah yeah we could have we could have simplified this by like six letters we're good like, you know. yeah. um, man.
1: you're definitely in the same vein that my husband is they're just words you guys they're just a words wild they Decided that they are offensive or mm-hmm. they mean this and they mean that but literally there's sounds
0: yeah yeah i'm on board with there being a like a societal structure and that, that, that I can understand there are bad words. I just find it funny, like when somebody, when it, when it was decided that this would be like a, when, when did somebody know, cringe like, at that, this who word first? sat around
1: and was like, let's go with yeah. mean and toned." Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I can you,
0: yeah, yeah. All right. Let's kick off today's chat. I think you guys would do a better job at opening up that discussion just because this was something that was brought up, I think on your page, maybe a post that you had or something, um, this idea of, and, and you guys do a better job, but this idea of just like tracking being triggering, that's going to be like one of our main discussions today and, and almost even more so in the context, which you guys can run with was like tracking is triggering right now, but how can I still lose weight is like a, 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 a sentiment that has been brought up a couple of times. I feel like.
1: Yeah, I think you definitely have a couple of different camps um, when tracking is concerned, right? Like you have, you know, obviously there's like the coaching sphere that's like, obviously we understand the purpose behind it. We understand the intention behind tracking, how it can be completely helpful and eye-opening. And arguably tracking was actually one of the most helpful tools for me from like an awareness perspective until I started tracking what I, ate, I had no idea, like what I was eating. I mean, first of all, we... I mean, definitely was eating plenty of carbs and fats, barely any protein. Right. But even just from like a a cost perspective, right. Just the awareness of like what things actually, you know, cost, especially things that we had labeled, um, good, bad, you know, whatever it is, right. Like for instance, like when you ever look up or log acai bowl, you will be amazed at what an acai bowl like costs. Right. And it's like no different than budgeting. Right. And that's kind of how, I mean, I like it too, is like, just like, being, like, where's your money going? Right. It's like, sometimes, yes, I understand that budgeting is super painful from a financial perspective. Be, you know, how many times you've gone to the dollar section and threw a couple of things in your cart, or like, maybe you didn't need to buy that, this that, and that, how it could be a little bit like, Um, there could definitely be like a, I like to like not have an awareness piece when it comes to like how much I spent at Target versus how much I needed to spend at Target. However, that being said, there is a purpose, right? The awareness piece is really what tracking is. And so I think it's interesting how we've, you know, we've seen in the past couple of years, how, especially with the intuitive eating movement and things like that, or even just people who have been counting macros for a couple of years, that tracking is really, you have either really are okay with it. You don't mind it or you really, really hate it. And like that's the thing that's keeping you from either counting macros or even starting like a, a cut or a deficit. It's like, oh, I just don't want to track. Right. Is really kind of or even being in maintenance. So that's my thoughts as far as like, you know, where I feel about where we stand for tracking if we're going to establish tracking.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean. As with anything, um, how you feel about it is purely your thoughts, your perspective, your history with the thing. Right? Um, your perspective on the thing is how you're going to feel about the thing. Uh, macros is just a tool, and you can um, like like any other tool, like budgeting, like you said, or any other any other practice. You can do it. Um, you can do it in a way that helps you and lead builds more awareness and gets you closer to your goals. Or you can, or it can be something that um, is constantly making you feel like a failure, or bringing up scarcity, or um, or different negative emotions, right? So uh, the thing that is interesting to me about this this particular angle on it is when is how you know when people come from this place of like macros really tracking really messed me up, or tracking is a is a real problem for me, or um, even like even macros gave me an eating disorder, but I still want to lose weight. I think that is really interesting that you are you are you are not faulting your um, preoccupation with losing weight. Uh, you're faulting the tool by which people get closer to that goal. Right. So, so my, my question, I guess about around that would be like, uh, you know, what are, what are your thoughts and feelings about it? Why is it such a problem getting curious about it instead of, um, I mean, nobody has to count macros. Nobody has to, has to use it, but, but in my experience with women, there's so many, um, there's so little awareness about our emotions and how to support ourselves in negative emotion. And a default reaction to our negative emotions is just, well, I got to lose weight. That's going to fix it. I got to lose weight. That's going to fix it. Um, and, and that's really the piece that I feel like uh, is, wor- is worth getting really, really curious about. I mean, as well as your feelings about tracking. But when women are just reasoning from their emotions, uh, that's not going to be a good thing. Um, I, I, like Nat said, it tracking is, was a huge awareness tool for me. And it uh, really showed me very clearly that, um, in the beginning, if I wasn't tracking, my assumption was that I, that I screwed up, that I ate too much, that I made poor choices, that, um, whereas sh- tracking is actually showed me how much I was shorting myself, um, consistently. Uh, and then, you know, before macros, I think I, I think I had sort of like many uh all or nothing phases where it's like i go to cheesecake factory and eat you know my brothers called me hollow leg like i can eat a lot but then the next day i'd be like oh i really should be good today and good in my book was not eating very much so um that would be that would be the question i have um uh, for women that still want to lose weight, but have an issue with tracking. It's just like, let's get curious about it. Let's get curious about these negative emotions and beliefs and um, thoughts that you have about your body, yourself and tracking.
0: Yeah. The curious thing has been, it's funny. I posted about like my journey in therapy mm-hmm. the last two years, but that like, be curious. Like I always laugh at my therapist. Cause like sometimes I don't even need her to be there. Like she'll, I'll just say something. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably just be, I should probably be curious about that. I'm just starting to be more curious about like my thoughts and my feelings and my actions and how I feel about them. And so that's like, I I agree with you hundred percent. I almost think that that, uh, I was going to say that that's pretty lofty for most people to do, but I think that's where I have a lot of thoughts here. My, my, my initial thought was that I don't want to be the kind of person who's like, okay, someone says, Hey, tracking's not right for me, or it didn't work for me or it fucked me up. And, and my knee jerk and I'll, and I'll challenge this, but my knee jerk is that, that that probably the way you were doing it and the way you were taught how to do it and the the way that it was brought into your life, probably not the best. Um, there was, There's probably, it's, it's likely that person, when I asked them how they were doing it, is not the way I would want them to do it. And, and that's all I'll say. I'm not saying that the way I would want them to do it with certain tactics changed would fix it. But I think that on the spectrum of more and less likely to cause potentially negative obsessive tendencies. That when most people are like, "Yeah, tracking really messed me up," and you ask them what they mean by tracking, it's usually something I wouldn't recommend most people do. You know, it was uh, let's say tracking all the macros with a very tight window, without the knowledge and education of how unimportant it is to be so precise and if you're off a little bit here and off a little bit there within these certain circumstances it's all going to be fine and to to without guidance in terms of how to manage social events and how to handle scenarios that are harder to track i mean these going just plugging get your macros from a calculator and like going off and beginning and thinking you're going to track everything on a food scale and everything's going to be it's not how it works like you're going to need to tracking is nine times out of 10, if this person's like, man, tracking really messed me up. I'm like, yeah, you were doing it in a way that I'm I'm not surprised kind of messed you up, or I'm I'm less surprised messed you up than if you were doing X, Y, Z, maybe five to seven things slightly differently to make this a more flexible experience. And so I don't want to be the, you know, it fucked you up because you did it wrong, but it's very likely that you, that there's a more flexible version of what you're talking about that, that is, at least out there as a possibility, not as suggesting that that's something you have to go try, but nine times out of 10, if I ask somebody, hey, what was it like for you? Both from a mindset in terms of how you were educated by the person you were working with, or you weren't working with someone at all, plus the methods you were doing, uh, the message you were doing this with, and the lack of, you know, uh, like people talk about flexible dieting, it's not just if it fits your macros. Like there's there's an underlying flexibility from a mindset perspective that needs to come along with this. You know, I have clients now that are like, you know, really like they have no problem tracking every single macro, but they can't go out to eat or they can't have a thing that their friend made. And it's like, these are, we, we can tackle those things. We can make that a non-stressful experience. Um, and so part of my knee jerk was like, I don't want to be, you're doing it wrong. But my guess is there's a better way, a less likely way, in more flexible way that would be at least better compared to what you were doing. And, and I'll, and I'll stop this monologue in a second. But, um, the second thing I just want to start by saying is like weight loss, we'll talk about other contexts, but weight loss as a, is, as a context is not intuitive. Like it is in just, I'm not going to be all like fucking like, 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 um, you know, genetics in this, but like our food environment from today plus our genetics from today if you combine them with just intuition, we're all going to be obese. I mean, just like we are genetically predisposed that we are, you know, to capitalize on food whenever it's available. You know, we love yummy food. It gives us a dopamine response. Like, well, my point is it's not intuitive. So if we're going to talk about intuitive eating and stuff is entirely separate from, from weight loss. And no matter what you do, if you want to lose fat, you want to lose weight, whatever, You're going to have to do something different. You're going to have to do something intentionally, something. um, Even if you think like, oh, it's unintentional. I just started doing this and this a little bit more. Those things were intentional. Maybe not so directly focused on fat loss, but you're going to have to do something other than just fly by the seat of your pants. And I'm not saying that that means you should go and lose fat. My point is, are these people who are like, hey, tracking really is a problem for me. Is every rule principle... uh, plate meal composition, template, educational practice, like are all of those triggering for you? Are there other things that are not triggering for you? Um, and the answer is definitely maybe, but my point is uh, just this, is 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 focusing on this at all triggering for you? Because that's slightly different. If it's focusing on this at all, in terms of like thinking at all about like, hey, maybe I should build my meal around protein and plants, or I need to get more fiber, or I need to eat more fruits and vegetables, is, is, is trying triggering for you? Um, is thinking about your nutrition and not just eating what you enjoy in that moment—is that triggering, or is like what is exactly triggering? Um, So yeah, that's the end of my speech. I'll, I'll oh my throw gosh. to you guys. No, oh, I think so I think, I, think we're, I mean
1: I love it. We're gonna we're we're heading we're heading down we're heading down this like trail like this whole thing. I mean, I, I have to like maybe even as I'm sitting here, I have to maybe like even rethink my statements about it too because, you know. I think what the three of us are getting at is like, it's really comes down to your self-awareness, right? With anything, right? And just like how, yeah, you can, you know, did you learn anything from tracking while you were tracking in order to be able to step away from tracking to be able to lose weight without it, right? Like, I mean, anything from a hammer, you know, hammer, we've we've talked about this analogy before, like a hammer can either build something or it can break something down or destroy it, but you're not gonna get mad at the guy at Home Depot who sold it to you, right? And it's just, it's it's still a tool, but I, I was actually thinking about other tools that maybe, Are You know, tracking my food maybe was helpful for me. But like, for instance, let's talk about planners for a second. Okay. Planners have this like mysticism that they're going to keep you more organized and on top of things. I'm actually paralyzed by planners. Planners are super overwhelming for me. Like every time I buy one every single year with the intention to be more organized or have a calendar or whatever, I never fill it out. Even the stickers in the beginning stressed me out, right? I'm like, well, what if I like have a week where I don't use the stickers? Is it gonna be a less effective week than the ones I use the stickers? And so I think like, I could say that technically planners are uh, triggering for me and they're not helpful for me. Or maybe do I need to change the way I think about a planner? Maybe a planner doesn't have to have every second of my day lined out, even though it does have like every 15 or 30 minute, you know, increments, but at the same time, like I have a schedule for my hair clients I can use that's technically a planner, right? I use Google calendar in my phone, also a planner, but it's like the way that I think about a paper planner, the way it should, the way it should be is probably what's paralyzing me more than it is the actual planner. Does that make sense? And I think that's kind of to your point, Jordan and Heidi about like, sure, you could hurt yourself with a tool emotionally, but it really comes down to self-awareness. It's like, what do I believe about the planner? What do I believe about tracking? What about both of those things is triggering in, in what context? And do I have any self-awareness to think that like the fact that I'm paralyzed to put it into pen or maybe use like, you know, if I use like a one-point ballpoint pen and the next time I use a 0.5 pen and the ink and the and the colors look differently or the way that I write look differently in the planner, it makes the less perfect planner and the stickers don't align, right? Like that's not really what the planner was designed for, right? Who created it wasn't meant to give me a complex about what pen I use, right? But that's my own thinking, my own thinking about the planner, not the planner itself. So and I even- should fully examine what it is about that process for myself that makes me stressed out than it is about the actual thing, if that makes sense. Totally. Like what does
0: the what does the planner help you do? It helps you be organized. Now right. in your example, you had you actually don't have a problem with the organization standpoint. It's something about the planner that's bringing up and, and not to go too deep, but maybe there's like old poor experiences with keeping a planner. And it's just like not like the medium, maybe it's a handwritten thing gives you anxiety or just like doesn't work. But I think you are realizing that By the looking at other things you do that it's not being organized that is giving that is that you need to work on like it it could be and i want to just tangent this to fat loss like it could be that being organized and or or having a to-do list or being shackled by a schedule like a lot of people don't do well with that and so it would make sense that if they're struggling with the idea of organization in general that a tool to become more organized would be not good and so it's the same with people who are like not in a good place at all to to make sacrifices for fat loss, who are then saying, okay, well here's this tool to help me lose fat that this isn't working for me. But it's like, yeah, it's actually the bigger picture right now that is not working for you, which is the sacrifice and trade offs that would be required to make to to lose fat, or your ideas about fat loss, or your ideas about restriction, or your ideas about your body. Like thus, the tool that's trying to trying to help you do those is not working, and thus build, building a negative connotation. So if you were the kind of person who like you know, there are those people who are like, just do really well that that the idea of having a schedule is is anxiety, drives anxiety. And so, okay. I'm not surprised that person who has a planner is like Matt planners fucking suck. Like, "Uh, yeah, you're right. Planner gives me anxiety. You know, the idea of having a schedule and being shackled gives you anxiety. You'd rather be more intuitive. And so there's a bit of like correlate there. You are clearly not the person who's like, worried about the organization standpoint, this medium just might not be right for, or how you're thinking about that medium is holding you back from making the most of that medium potentially.
1: Well, and I think, you know, it's, it kind of lends itself into like the next part of our conversation, as far as like, you know, tracking is triggering. It's like, I think I totally realize why planners are triggering for me. It's because remember when we were kids and they were called day timers or day runners, Mm -hmm. right? That was, I'm totally dating myself. You probably don't like like
0: running. I get it. Got it. You what? You know, like running, I got it, yeah. Running's <laughs> no, triggering for me too, it, yeah. It,
1: I think what it, my belief that it actually is a judgment of my day. Hmm. Like how how did my day go or what did I put in there? That means like, did I accomplish something that day that was worthwhile or did I not? Did I fill my time worth, like with worthwhile things? Did I, did I waste my time? Did I, was it a good use of time? Like, these are all things that are like triggering for me, right? It's traumatic. It's, it's, it's a judgment against myself, right? And no wonder why you might not like tracking might be a reason because when you look at the foods you ate, you judge yourself by them. Totally. Right. Like if you have to log a donut, you're paralyzed by it because a, that's not what a air quote healthy person would be eating or somebody who's on a diet with eating and, and a donut is bad or whatever, whatever it is that you make it mean might be literally like a diary of all your mistakes, right? So maybe this is partially why tracking is triggering for you. So why don't we look at that versus the actual act of it? I don't know, just some thoughts. Thank totally. you for the therapy session, you guys. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Now I know why I don't ever have to buy another planner again. Well, it is, I
2: mean, there's so many, they're... Any situation has the potential to be triggering any situation that has the potential to create trauma for someone when it overwhelms their brain. So maybe for you, as you look at my fitness pal and you see your every time you add something you see your calories tick down um, and that totally stresses up it stresses you out and brings up the feeling of like of uh, not enough. Um, food not scarcity, a, food scarcity. I mean one time we were coaching a client, and it turns out she had a ton of trauma about from her childhood about not having enough food. Um, and you know, hoarded food as a kid and stuff. So some of these, to your point, when you were like not to go too deep, but sometimes there are some real wounds, um, that are driving some of these beliefs that seem totally real and totally normal to us because it's the water we swim in. And we don't realize how that, how those like kind of self-limiting beliefs or thought errors or, um mental distortions are sabotaging the progress we want to make. And shame is such a triggering emotion. And it is so omnipresent in the, in, for women and their bodies that it really, it really is something worth educating yourself about. Um, because again, if you have, which everybody has trauma, the question is whether or not you've, how how much awareness you have over that, how well, you know, your story, how well you can support yourself in negative emotion, because when we're talking about um, the difficulty of getting from one goal to the, to the next goal, there's going to be tons of negative emotion involved in there. And sometimes the symptoms of like losing weight, for example, are triggering in and of themselves, just the physical sensations that you're going to experience, let alone, um, you know, perfectionism is a function of shame. And we see that kind of all or nothing thinking and those kinds of things in dieting and, um, in this health and fitness arena, because so many people are using, uh, changing their body as a way to compensate for low self-esteem or these different deficiencies that we perceive that we
1: have. Right. And if you believe that tracking helps you, it it prevents you from losing weight and losing weight is where you build a, you have a self-esteem building block on it or a value judgment based on how much weight you can gain or lose, it would mean that tracking is what is keeping you from, from doing that. Mm-hmm.
2: And like, and to your point you're, earlier, you were like losing weight is not intuitive. It really isn't even on a physiological level with the body fat set point. And it's interesting, you know, addressing IE for just a minute, intuitive eating, like we've we've thought this for years, we actually had a a, a prior business partner, um, leave the business to pursue intuitive eating. And I have a ton of respect for it. Like it's, it's, it's great, particularly if you have like some healing that you need to do, but it is to your, like you said, pointedly not for fat loss. Um, although sometimes the, the skills that you learn in that process, um, could potentially lend itself to fat loss. If you're like, for example, if you're emotionally eating and that's causing you to gain weight, i.e. addresses some of those um how to build awareness and a skill set around those things we read intuitive eating we're like we don't disagree with really any of this um particularly because we come from a standpoint of like nobody has to lose weight um but i feel like where kind of where we exist um and you too jordan is that in is in this area of like um because it's not intuitive and because our body cues have been so distorted by hyper palatable foods and this, um, focus on, you know, all of the fads of like butter's bad for you. No, now it's not the uh, low fat. No, now high fat. No, like all of this confusion. A lot of us don't have that relationship with our body where we really understand what the cues are. Um, so, For me, I would have, if you, if I'd gone straight to intuitive eating, I would have been like, what does my body want? Grilled cheese sandwich all the time. (laughs) Whereas like, uh, giving some kind of context for what, how to feed yourself in a, in a healthy nutrition based way, um, gives you some sort of context for how to fuel yourself. So I feel like intuitive eaters would, will not like this, but I feel like a combination of both is is basically where we live. There's, I know that it's okay. Come at, come at me, light up our page. It's fine. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I will, I will, I will say maybe a couple of things that we all kind of agree. One is that like, I just, I do have, I don't want us to get so deep in this. Cause I feel like sometimes our, our opinions are pretty strong, but, but I have a lot of compassion if you're in this position and you're feeling triggered and I don't want people to feel that way. And you don't, you don't have to track you sure shit you don't have to track. Cause I think you go step one step further and you don't have to lose fat. Right. And so these are a lot of voluntary things that I don't want people to feel like they have to do. And if you're in this position, we are sympathetic to that. And we want, we want most of, you know, we want what we talk about today to be helpful, even if in the short immediate term, it's, you know, uh, it, it, there's some tough love in there. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like, let's say you have a fear of doing something. Let's say tracking is triggering. There's a fear of it. We could just a little bit combine those two phrases. How much how like, what is the best strategy for me to live my happiest life? Is, is do, is this something where exposure therapy? And what I mean by that is like addressing the actual fear that I'm having and triggering sense. Like if I, if X is triggering, how much of my feeling should be, okay, I avoid that thing. How much of it should be, okay, I address that feeling. I'm not suggesting you do one versus the other. I'm not a a therapist. I don't do, I have a best friend who works exactly with this scenario. Um, but it's interesting that, that I actually am not, I think that there's room for, you could logically argue both. There's a scenario, okay, tracking, tracking is triggering. My initial gut reaction is let's address why that is. Let's go to therapy. Let's at least have open discussions. Let's be curious about why that is. There's another uh, school of thought, I think, that maybe combines that while circumnavigating it and just saying, hey, don't don't do that thing. Don't even try and go anywhere near that thing. I don't, I'm going to throw them a bone. Let's say more of that intuitive eating crowd and assume that they're also going to be like, Hey, while we're not doing that thing at all, let's talk about these things, these traumas, these past limiting beliefs, these beliefs about weight loss and beliefs about your body. Let's address that alongside of not doing any of that stuff Um, that, that they wouldn't say that the answer is just don't do that stuff. It should be just don't do that stuff. Plus let's address all of this, but it's just an interesting intersection of how much when someone's like, hey, tracking is triggering for me. How much am I going to be like, yeah, we're just great. We're not going to do any of that. And I'm going to talk about it. Let's totally do something that doesn't give you any triggering at all. Versus like, how much are we going to sit with that and talk about potential other strategies that maybe are less triggering or why you're triggered in the first place? And how can we address that? And so there's just, um, it just is an interesting thought of wh- where do you go? Do you address that feeling or do you not run from it? But do you just be like, hey, I'm going to not do the thing ever that gives me that feeling uh, and I'm just going to go do something else. So I don't get that feeling anymore. Uh, it's just curious. I, I, I think I think that I'm not qualified to analyze somebody to make that choice, but I just think that there's room for both. And you should be, you should be at the very least really curious as to like, why is tracking triggering and is ju- is taking tracking is triggering. And I'm just going to run from all quantification and all of that stuff and see if I can do intuitive eating. Like, is that, is that the best thing to just go ahead and do or we should we sit with this? I mean, I think it's pretty complicated.
1: I mean, of course. And I think it's, I mean, even as we're sitting here having this conversation, of course, I'm thinking of a million ways, like, oh, I hope, yeah, this person doesn't feel bad hearing this and this and this. And obviously people yeah. have, we're very layered, complicated humans, right? And I think you could arguably the same thing with the scale, right? How many times have we heard people who like don't want to step on the scale? They don't, you know, it's 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 hard for them to, it, it causes, you know, a, you know, emotional distress. It is triggering for them as well. And uh, you know, the same thing, it's like, you don't ever have to weigh yourself, right? Just same thing, like you don't ever have to pursue weight loss. You don't ever have to track, like you don't actually have to do any of these things. But if there is a desire for a result that these tools help with, you know, for instance, like it's kind of like when you, and I know you probably get this a lot, Jordan, like, oh, every time I use that machine, I hurt myself, right? Like at the gym, like every time I try to do this, like I always get hurt or every time, like I try to like do this movement, I get hurt. And it's like, instead of just avoiding the movement, I mean, you could give them 16 other movements, you know, obviously, you know, injuries and and things like that aside, but like just like a normal human being who's trying to lift weights, you could give them alternate movements to achieve things. Or we can also figure out like, well, what is it about your movement pattern that is making, you know, you your body compromised in this? Like, how are we not using this tool correctly? Or how how are we hurting ourselves with a dumbbell? You know, maybe we're going too heavy. Maybe we're, you know, and even just the self-awareness piece that this, I believe this whole weight loss slash fitness journey is really about comes down to like wanting to feel better in your skin, period right. In whatever context it is, whether it's weight loss or muscle growth or activity or cardiovascular health or whatever it is, it's like, it all comes down to self-awareness and how many things are we avoiding because we don't want to figure out the self-awareness piece. Right. I think that's a lot. And there are like three of us are a little bit in a different space where like, we like the self-awareness piece because we like figuring out what's wrong with us, you know, and also just from like a compassion standpoint, like, Hey, like I, you know, it could literally be that tracking is triggering because you saw your mom doing it. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? There's lots of unearthed things that like can bring to the table. But I mean, but, all this to say, like the, the end result is to feel go- feel good, right? So let's figure out like what we can do to do that well absolutely and getting
2: curious about it is how you understand your story and understanding your story is understand it means you understand yourself and the the wounds you have the patterns you have the triggers you have and your and the object of the game is to learn a skill set to support yourself in negative emotion because if you can't tolerate negative emotion you won't be able to tolerate positive emotion um because your threshold for experiencing those two things are the the same, the capacity is the same. So when you avoid the thing and, and obviously when you're ready, right. When you want to make a change or when you, when you feel like you're ready to get curious about these things, um, fear grows when you avoid the thing. Um, and, and I feel like you know, just to address the, uh, the intuitive eating intuitive eating thing. I mean, a lot of their exercises are about body awareness and your, and your thinking and your history and your, and your story and all of that. And they do a beautiful job of it, but they also don't have the corner on the market on any of those skills. They didn't invent those skills. They just interpret them specifically for dieting in your body. Um, so it's a, it's a great, there's a lot of things you can learn from it. Um, just like any other, just like any other modality, right? Um, but yeah, I feel like uh, learning to support yourself in negative emotion, if you know you're triggered by something, learning how to break that down into baby steps and supporting yourself along the way could be a skill that benefits you in multiple areas of your life. Because, you know, like if you have scarcity, for example, around food and that's why tracking is triggering for you, you probably have scarcity around love or um you know, these other, uh, in other areas of your life. So making these little baby steps and learning to support yourself and understand yourself um, is how you become a more confident person from the inside out.
0: There, there, I was trying to start a sentence with, is tracking triggering because blank? And so it's kind of like, let's get to the root of why this is triggering. And I, and I came up with some answers that I feel two, two different ways about. And in one category, we have questions like, is it triggering because of, a past trauma that you grew up with, maybe just the way you saw your parents acting or you know things that happened to you as a child, is tracking triggering because it brings up some self-love, body image, body dysmorphia issues, some obsessiveness with being lean, like a need to uh, some sort of conditional love, which which uh, both of those are a lot of times the case, but it is, it's tracking might be bringing that up, but it's just because that's your preferred method for fat loss right now, but it's really the pursuit of being smaller, the obsessiveness with the external like that stuff, that's really what's triggering. Because if I was like, hey, you're not going to track at all, you're going to just eat low carb. I I bet that the first time you can't have bread, it's also triggering. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that to me would be a lot of, hey, we need to make some form of a distinction between the tool and the pursuit generally of being smaller and where that comes from. Because chances are, if you've tracked and tracking and keto for most people are going to be equally triggering, um, yeah. and potentially you know we both sit here and argue that it, there's at least a, a percentage of people that keto is going to be way more triggering for. And then I and then I wrote a bunch of other ones that I I just don't know if I, it sounds like I don't I'll just say it I won't give a big preface here um, is tracking triggering because going out and going out to eat gives you anxiety because you can't be perfect. My response would be great. We have tools so that you can do that more easily. It's literally how you guys started your page. Like it, we have tools to fix that. Awesome. Yeah. Is tracking triggering because you think you can't have certain foods? Great. We have education and support to help you realize that that's not the case. You totally can. Is tracking triggering because it shines light on the connection between action and results that, that was previously, you know, kind of, uh, there was a veil there. And now you're like, wow, this is like a direct correlation between what I've been doing and the outcome I've been getting. Is that triggering? Is tracking triggering because you were counting all the macros to the gram with no flexibility, but maybe calories and protein with ranges? would have been an out uh, a process that provided you flexibility. And all of a sudden there's a better bang for your buck there. Is is tracking triggering or is it not fun? Is tracking triggering or do you just wish it was easier than this? <laughs> is tracking triggering or are you mad that it looks easier for other people? Is tracking triggering or are you the only one in your house doing this and you feel weird? And so there's like a lot of those that I would dive into because I think that a lot of them, the whole second half of that list the three of us here would be like, great, we can totally fix this. The way you were doing that before sucked. And we have totally fixes for all of those questions, or at least like we can work on all of those things. The first couple of past trauma, body image issues, conditional self-love, like those are, those are probably not tracking's fault. They're probably the, the general obsession with body image and the way you look and the pursuit of fat loss. But I, I'm not, making an assumption here because we don't have somebody sitting here to answer this question but i think that a lot of people who say that and when i say a lot i don't i don't necessarily mean the majority i mean that there's a decent amount of people listening to this who probably mean something in that second half of that list where like tracking is triggering because i can't be perfect okay we can work on that tracking's triggering because i have to bring a food scale everywhere it's like no you don't like tracking's triggering because i have to perfectly hit all my macros no you don't like tracking's triggering because you know other do i i, I have some predisposed belief that I shouldn't have to do this. Like, okay, well, that, that, where did that come from? Like, and so I just have a feeling that there's at least some people who's triggering in air quotes is, is coming from the bottom of that list. And, and that's why, that's why if you get a client who has that sort of mentality, like the first thing we do is be curious about it. Like, Where, what do, what do you mean by triggering? What are the scenarios in, in which you're triggered? How is that making you feel? What do you think is going on there? And you might get to the bottom of it and be like, yeah, it's triggering because everyone in my house is makes me feel weird about it, you know? And it's like, okay, that, that's not tracking's fault. And that is actually a relationship with your family's dis- discussion sort of thing. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of those in the second list there that like, we, we can work with all of those. And I'm not suggesting everybody needs to track, but I'm just saying if those bottom lists were like, yeah, that's why tracking doesn't work for me. Great. It's not tracking's fault. Those are all things that you could, you could, you know, air quote, fix, improve, do better, be more flexible with that have nothing really to do with tracking, just kind of how you were doing it or some of these other things. Is that like, is that, am I off base there? No,
1: I actually love that list. It's fantastic. And I think, and I would, I would, you know, obviously without taking like a, you know, sample population to run these tests and evaluate, like you know, and send out a survey amongst you know our populations. I would probably agree that it's mostly the lot and a lot of times it just comes with people think tracking is annoying, it's tedious, it's time consuming, it's boring. But then you know the three of us have also said, well, but do you also like the results you get from tracking? Because that's also motivating too, right? Like I like the results I get from tracking. So to me, tracking is motivating because even though it is air quote, annoying, it still gives, it still serves a purpose. Right. And it's like, so on the flip side of that, one of the things we were going to attach to this podcast is like, you know, so you want to lose weight, but you don't want to track. Okay. So then we bring up things like 75 hard. I'm sure you've had this question before. What do you think about 75 hard? You know, they have people ask us like, should we, should I do 75 hard? And it's like, okay, so tracking is hard, right? 75 hard is literally called 75 hard, (laughs) right? But they want other alternatives for this hard right? And that's, I think the the human condition too, right? We want something else. We want a new hard, like <laughs> the current hard is hard, but like, give me a new hard that might be a better hard that I'll feel more okay about. Mm. So 75 hard, let's just like, I mean, or the other question could be like, how can I lose weight then if I don't want to track?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The We want to talk about 75 hard in, in like specifically first, or that general question sure. about let's I want to see, track let's
1: go with that. And then we'll go to the second
0: one. Yeah. 75, 75 is, is 75 hard is, um, it's one of those things where for every one person, for every like one person who's like 75 hard it really was like, you know, I'm on the website right now. Cause I needed to see some of the rhetoric behind it. <laughs> it's like, uh, the iron man for your brain, right? It's like, it's kind of posed. First of all, Andy Priscilla is a mega cringe for me, but back in the day, loved Andy Priscilla when I was like 20, 21, 22. And I was like, just discovering like self-development and like, Woo woo, rah, rah, like get up, go, don't be a bitch. Like, I loved Andy Fusal, lived for him. Um, but it's super mega cringe, maybe on the other side of that for now. That's my opinion, by the way. Um, but, I, um, how do, how abrupt do I want to be with this? It's for every one person who's like, wow, man, yeah, this was totally the Iron Man for my brain. And I came out super like with lasting, uh, you know, mental toughness. Like, for every one person, there's probably a hundred people who are like, yeah, I quit on day 13 and I fucking hate. I hate myself and I failed and, you know, I worsened my relationship with food that was already bad. Like it's, if if you can't do X, I promise you 75 hard is harder. And uh, you're just digging yourself a deeper hole. Again, one person's going to comment on the podcast. I did it. It was great. Totally changed my, Oh, it's awesome. The concept of 75 hard in the, for being glass half full, the idea of committing to certain habits that, in the hopes that for doing them for a certain period of time that you can make them into a lasting habit, that idea I'm fine with. Like the idea of being like, hey, these are things I'm going to try and do over the next span of time. And I'm going to really buckle down and try and stick to it. That, that concept generally I don't have a problem with. But the application of it here, it's like I, I, it's like two day workouts. It's uh, just uh, it's just crazy over the top, and I, that's the point of it. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be this like cool macho like you know I, I crazy mental toughness thing. But like the general idea of like you know how many times I've had clients are like hey for the next seven days we're gonna try and get a protein and a plant on the on the on each plate three times. You know like the idea of setting a time frame with some principle based goals. I, I'm for that generally, but it's very contextual. And this in this context is pretty dog shit.
1: Well, and I think like with anything, it's like, what are you hoping to achieve by doing it? Right. Like it's, it's always the intention behind everything that we do. Right. Cause there are people who just do it because all their friends are doing it and it seems kind of fun. And I think that like, depending on which, this is other thing too, depending on which lists you look at. Right. I mean, I don't, I obviously assume that the main creator has his own, but if you even Google 75 hard, there's like 17,000 different variations of it. And like, it's not like we disagree with it. Right. It's like drink a gallon of water. Okay. That's great. You know, um, uh,
0: you want to read them out? Just by the way, for somebody who doesn't really know, Could you just do like a quick breakdown of what it is, by the way? Yeah.
1: I mean, the ones I see is follow well, just a like diet. what it is.
0: Just like yeah. what the whole thing is.
1: Follow a diet, no alcohol or cheat meals, two 45 minute workouts. Or could you technically do one 90 minute one? Anyways, just seems really like not from a time effectiveness standpoint, or it says one gallon of water. You're supposed to take a progress picture every day, which just blows my mind. <laughs> can I just pause and- you for
0: one sec? Just that this is a, For the listener, this is 75 days in a row of doing all of these things in an attempt to be like a, it's called a transformative mental toughness program. And so you just read them from the top again for me.
1: Yeah. And then also if you miss a day, you have to start the 75 all over again, apparently too. So it could end up being like 365 hard.
0: Probably 3,000, (laughs) 300,065 because nobody completes it. So
1: the ones that I see, it's a gallon of water, uh, no alcohol or cheat meals, following a diet, two 45 minute workouts, one gallon of water, a progress picture, and read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. Oh my gosh is the one that I see. I mean, that's like a four of them put together. Is that what you got?
0: Yeah. That's what I got.
2: It's
1: I, especially I I love how it's called a tactical guide to winning the war with yourself. And I don't understand how the war with yourself, taking a picture of myself every single day is winning a war with myself. Arguably, depending on who you are, it could actually be worse. Well, I
2: mean, right. right, I mean, it's kind of tandem out to weighing yourself every day. I mean, you could, that could be a hazing ritual or it could actually like, yeah, help you notice like, you know, the scale fluctuates and the world doesn't end and things like that. I, it's so interesting, this instinct that we have to like, um, drill sergeant ourselves and like, uh, push the pain and all, all all that kind of stuff. When by and large, I feel like the biggest thing lacking in people that are trying to achieve a body goal is self-compassion. Um, this, this, like you were saying, like, like in theory, I don't have an issue with it. Um, becoming mentally tough is, basically different words for supporting yourself in negative emotion. But there it's, we also see this in like people that are in a deficit for a long time. What starts out as like a, as like a, a challenge and supporting yourself and planning and, and all of that, somehow there's like a subtle shift into just ignoring how you feel and suppressing how you feel. So my question, I guess, with 75 hard would be like, are you making room for this life? Is this like something you're trying to add on to a pretty full plate? Um, how are you talking to yourself? How are you supporting yourself in this challenge? Because if it's like, you know, shut up, you idiot, you suck if you don't do it. But obviously, you're you're not going to come out mentally tougher. You're going to come out more mentally numbed out and with less confidence. Whereas if you're like, man, this is this is a chal- This is a challenge. I'm making room for this in my life. I'm setting aside time. Um, I'm giving myself all kinds of support and planning and I'm excited to see if I can do it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of self-empowerment that comes from realizing you can do hard things, but there's equally as much empowerment that comes from, um, acknowledging how you feel, checking in with your body, asking yourself what you need, supporting yourself in negative emotion. I mean, when you were reading through all of those different, um, tracking is triggering things like, Understanding your triggers cerebrally is, is important, understanding the challenge intellectually is important, but we can't ignore our emotions, they have to at least be acknowledged, that doesn't mean you have to give in to them, but they do
1: have to be acknowledged if you want to get to a more confident place. Well, and I think it also just supports the idea that like you actually can't better yourself without a hurting, right? Or you can't do, you know, it's just like even just like the, you know, the the today.com header, it's like this mental toughness program is helping people get in shape. You know, you can actually get in shape without doing any of these things, like yeah. like in, a, in the context of it, right? I mean, I think it's even interesting the way he titles his book, which is like, you know, a tactical guide to winning the war with yourself. Like, how are you at war with yourself? Like even just like establishing the fact that you can't possibly be happy without doing something like this extreme, right. Which just kind of perpetuates a cycle of everyone feels like, you know, it's just like challenging to be the fittest version of myself. And in reality, like some of the things I'm not saying like in and of itself, some of the things aren't bad ideas. Like, yeah, reading a book. Great. You know, water also awesome. You know, uh, no cheat days. I'm supporter of that, you know, alcohol negligible of how it benefits your life, but people obviously like it and continue to drink it. And, you know, like, you know, exercise, you know, I like how one of them must be outside. Okay. There's super value for, you know, an exercise a workout being outside. It's not that it's like, like everything, right. None of it is like inherently evil, but it's like, is this really the way that you think that getting in shape is like, or losing weight, like 75 part will help you lose weight. Like. It just, it just feeds the cycle that everything has to be way more difficult, which it doesn't.
2: Well, and like this, that you're at war with yourself, if that's really how you feel and you come out the other side of 75 hard feeling, like you've converted yourself from like a distasteful, slovenly version of yourself to like a more empowered, better version of yourself. Let me just tell you who won your ego won, and you, and that is conditional self-acceptance.
0: Well not, not, I was going to, this was going to be a devil's advocate comment, but it's not, it's like slight, just like a brief discussion of like, when we're thinking about behavior change and, and you are looking at how large of a behavior change to help a client make or to, for yourself to make in the hopes that they can either make more of that improvement in the future or, or to establish like a new baseline. So let's say you're like increasing someone's protein. Like there's a reason we don't increase someone's protein. Like let's say you get someone's eating 50 grams of protein. You're like, all right, just like general health, a like good idea. We want to X, Y, Z goal. This is good. I mean, we don't even have to rationalize it. Eating more protein than that is a good idea, like, across the board. Um, but you wouldn't say, hey, we're going to go to 51 grams and then 52. And so there, so there is at least a spectrum of, uh, or, like, a bell curve maybe, of, like, too small of a change and too many and too large of a change. And when we look at the research, there's actually at least an even split of a lot of people will do better when that change is slightly larger because there will be or of a buy-in let's say this is not that is my caveat this is not that um you know there were people that like adhered better to a 600 700 calorie deficit than a 100 calorie deficit like we have research that some people do that because like one the feedback they were getting from being in a larger deficit was motivating and just the big swooping change at once was created more of a buy-in effect let's say this is not that though. This is like the this is like making it out to be like a war with yourself, very consequential. If you miss one thing, one day you start over. And so the, this is not that. This is on the other end of that bell curve on the downswing here, where this is just too much, probably has more downsides than upsides. But it it my point is that this Andy Andy and the 75 part, they just don't care about that. They don't care if they kill a thousand to get 10 people who to post on their on their page that have done an amazing transformation that, that say this really did change my life. Um, and so you know th- that's just not their concern if you have if you have it's like it's like if you have a million followers like these people who have like a lot of followers get people who post on their page like just like a, a ton of like really good stuff. oh my god this is so great and like for every 10 of those there's one person's like this fucked me up when in reality the ratio is flipped it's just they're not telling you that it's fucking them up yeah. and so yeah you're like oh my god your program and that your 12 week 1200 calorie program so great look how much weight i lost for every one person who says that there's 10 people who are like they got they got fucked up by it. Didn't comment on it. Um, and so I don't know if we we got off the, t- the tangent of like deciding that this is what's best for you other than tracking. I also have plenty more time if We want to go for a bit. Um, but do we want to kind of circle back to ha- ha- uh, the idea of w- w- what I'm in the position of? I want to lose weight, but I but I'm I've decided that tracking is not right for me
1: yeah, let's go for it. I mean, I think people are curious, even from people who don't mind tracking are like, wait, is there a way outside of tracking that I can do this? Right. And I mean, uh, any, any,
2: I mean, this is sort of like, this is what we used to talk about kind of at the beginning of macros. It's like any diet can help you lose weight. If it creates a calorie deficit, um, if you go, you know, or you, you go from not exercising to exercising or whatever, these little changes, um, that I mean anything that's going to create a calorie deficit will help you lose weight. But I guess our perspective is, um, you know, and yours too is, is why not make that process intentional and, and see again from by and large as women, like reasoning making re, since we're not again, as a general statement about women, we're not super in tune with our bodies in general. So if we're going to uh, reason from our emotions, how much we think we deserve or feel like we should, you know, what's going to help us lose weight. Like that's really easy to lose perspective on real quick, especially even if you are creating a calorie deficit because of the symptoms that come with dieting. So anyway, anything you can do to make it more um, scientific and, uh, you know, have some, some sort of like tracking system in place. Um, I mean, that's, that's my perspective.
0: How do you guys handle a client who doesn't want to track? So you have a client say, like, hey, I don't want to track. I want to lose weight. I'm here to lose weight, but I will not track. Like like very practically, what what's the structure of the conversation look like? I'm happy to take that, but I want to hear you guys. And that's something like I'm thinking like very practically. Someone's like, all right, guys, talk about it. I don't want to lose. I don't I want to lose weight. Uh, Tracking is not right for me. I've decided that previously and forgetting trying to have that discussion right now. Because obviously I think there's room for like exploring that. But let's say we're not exploring that right now. What's that discussion sound like?
1: So in my mind, first thing is like, well, what are you willing to do? Right. Is, is, is a, is a great question because sometimes like a lot of things that you don't want to do, there's more than just one. right? It's like, oh, I don't want to track my food. I don't want to weigh myself. I don't really want to, you know, I, I don't actually really want to start exercising. I can't really increase my steps because of like the way, like my life is structured with my job and da, 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 da. It's like, okay, well, what, what are you willing to do? What can you do? Right? And then of course we want to talk about managing expectations around what we're not willing to do as well. Right. Because uh, believe it or not, just the thought of wanting to lose weight doesn't actually make you lose weight. Right. Or like, like you know, like a lot of people are like, Oh, well, my, my fitness pal is that at like 1300 calories, like great, but you still have to do it. Right. It's like, we have this idea of like, Oh, I feel like I've always been in a, a dieting. I'm always dieting, but like, are you actively dieting or are you not dieting? Right. It's like, there's, there's these, there's, but the bummer is people want, um, guaranteed results for work. They're not willing to do. Okay. This is just, I mean, it's human nature, right? We, we want to do as little as possible, but still get what we want
2: Fair, <laughs> right? Yeah, and we tend to yeah. like overestimate the things we're willing to do and underestimate the importance right. of things we don't want to do.
1: And so, I mean, it, it comes down to like how, you know, as, as far as like, if you don't want to track in you and you want to lose weight, are you flexible with what that looks like? Okay. Cause obviously we say it all like ad nauseum, like the more intentional, the, the more specific, the result you want, the more specific your intentions have to be. And it's like, comes down to like, are you willing to make sure that you have protein at every single meal? Can you make sure that, you know, these kind of steps, this kind of, you know, exercise, like getting your water in, making sure your sleep is optimal, reducing your stress, you know, fiber and things like that. But there, there is an element of abstractness, which is hard to also, collect data from too right cuz even when people even are tracking they can think believe air quote that they're doing it and they're not really doing it right how many people i mean we've had clients that like oh i actually i am not been, i mean i tell you i'm tracking or i you know noted that i tracked 7 out of 7 this week but i really didn't log everything mm-hmm. like i opened up the app right but did i really track everything no right so sometimes we can even get in that position where like you know, data wise, like you really should be on this trajectory, but what's, what are we missing here? Or what are we not acknowledging? And it's just kind of like, when you forget, you know, like, you know, when you forget to log something that you're like, oh crap, I did actually eat a couple things that I didn't log or spend more money than you thought. It's like, sometimes our awareness isn't there too, which also by and large is also part of like what you guys said earlier about how, like when we eat, when we in a hyper palatable world, you kind of do forget, (laughs) you know, Or, or, you know, you just don't remember. And so I think, you know, managing the expectation of how much you can lose without certain tools is also part of the conversation, right? Like if it's just more like a general, like, I just want to kind of see how it goes. Like, I don't really want to weigh myself. I don't really want to track. Okay. Well, then let's, then you better double down on the good habits that, that would get you there. Even if you were doing both of those things. I mean, that's just agreed.
2: And I still think you should put a timeline on it just like you would if if you were in a cut. Cause again, those like when you, when you suppress like your hunger cues or ignore your hunger cues for a while, sometimes they go away. Um, and, and you can be, you can end up experiencing some of the negative symptoms of, of dieting for, for a really long time. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, when you just like the body fat set point. I mean, it's losing weight is not intuitive for your body. So there has to be some sort of like objective awareness that we bring to this process because, you know, the longer, the more, let's say you start out and it is working, uh, at, at a certain point, your body's going to start pushing against you and cueing you to move less or eat more so that your body returns to its body fat set point. It's a subconscious
1: process. Um, so, yeah, so know, that's not much how, different than like being in maintenance, right? Yeah. Like how we have people all the time. Are like how come I've gained weight in maintenance? Like, because as like you got more relaxed and more loose with things, then the portion sizes got bigger and you forgot kind of like what you were eating and you started incorporating more delicious things, which is great. Like we, we are not trying to villainize weight gain either, but it's more of like the awareness piece. Right. And how sometimes like the objectivity isn't what we think it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I find the topic of weight loss without tracking to be a very interesting one that I have. I'm just not, I'm not so sure how I feel about it. So I'll just do what I always do is just a random word vomit. But um, (laughs) I just think that number one, managing expectations that this is a process by which you hope to, when I say this is a process, I mean, whatever strategies you decide to employ is, is in the hopes that you create a calorie deficit, that you spontaneously create a calorie deficit less directly, more indirectly, because you're not actually tracking but I, I find it interesting that if you don't track calories, then addressing the hyper palatable or junk food discussion becomes a very interesting one that I actually find a bit more triggering because if you're not going to track, then by definition, what you have to do is you have to decrease the amount of calories you're eating by addressing the what, what foods am I eating and maybe in what portion size. And you end up, coming up with a lot of strategies that might actually be triggering in other ways. Like if I have a client who's not tracking their calories, we're going to do things like basic meal composition template. Like, you know, we're going to have a protein and a plant at every meal. And those two things combined, are going to take up three quarters of your plate. And that last quarter of the plate can be a carbohydrate side. You can have three of those a day and one protein shake, let's say. Where's the room for an ice cream cone then? Like where's the room for the cookie? Where's the room for the hyper palatable food, the food that isn't like you're choosing, if you're not going to count calories, then you're choosing to do, to hope to spontaneously reduce calories by changing the way you're eating. And, you know, how do you then address that client? Who's like, Hey, I want to go have an ice cream con. It's like, okay. When you go for a, a junk food, which by the way, now we've already created a bit of a dichotomy here of like these are foods that are good, and when we're when you're having the bad food, let's address that. And it's like okay, well, that is that actually now are we is that are we fostering like is this less triggering now because I've decided that hey, you're gonna have a protein a plant with each meal, and three quarters of the plate last quarter is gonna be a carb. You get one protein shake a day, and whenever you have shitty junk, hyper palatable food, you get that once a week, twice a week, or you have to have a small portion. Like like is that? How does one address that, or 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 you? Hey, no drinking alcohol, or no treat foods, or no carbohydrates, or I just look at a lot of those, and to me, like I actually think that in the right way, and that's it goes back to my first comment of like how you go about tracking. That it's a way more inclusive strategy than than the alternative, and to me, a lot of the alternatives get a little bit mixy for me where i'm just like okay well what if your family wants an ice cream cone and that wasn't part of our plan here and now you're like looking at that ice cream cone you're like this is my bad food for the week i get two of them or or this is a bad food so i have to get a small instead of tracking as a very broad umbrella term where you maybe be able to look at the ice cream cone and be like, man, it's not very satiating for 400 calories, no protein, no fiber. Maybe that's not the best use of my budget here, um, but I'm going to have it and I'm going to fit it because I like it, or I'm going to have it. And I'm going to go over because I don't care right now. And it's more important for me to have the ice cream cone. But I just, I'm just not always so sure that these non-tracking strategies are, are and again, it's, it's totally down to the individual, but like um, I'm not always sure because they're all going to have some form of restriction. You have to restrict something yeah. somehow indirectly or directly. And, and even if it's indirectly, you're just being sneakier about how you're being restrictive and it, it will creep up. You, you will, uh, realize that you're like, wow, I'm now starting to view ice cream as bad. And I'm thinking about it more because I only get to have it twice. Um, because that's the, th- that's the strategy we're using here. And, and by, by limiting this food, that's how I'm losing fat there. Are, by the way, there are gonna be other people, other people, other clients I trained coached people for, for a couple of years when I was first starting out where you would do six and a half days of fucking terribly low calories. And then you got two hours to eat whatever you wanted. And it was, I mean, you could eat whatever you wanted. You even encouraged people to just fucking binge like crazy. And there was a very, very small percentage of people that were like, this totally works for me. And so, you know, Uh, I just, I'm just not always sure. Like, I'd be interested if there's a coach out there who exclusively coaches people who don't track to lose weight and doesn't also experience people who have negative, reactions to those strategies I think they certainly do and, and again I, I whatever not yeah, to go or they might or actually
1: rant. not even be hearing them too right because we obviously get that on the other too like I went to this coach she would shame me for this this and this and this like yeah you did it but she didn't feel like she had a voice to be able to say like I can't do it this way or I can't not have pizza on Saturday nights with my family that's a tradition like it's like how much fear are we putting in or just even the belief that this is the way to do it and like and it does it, it does give you a set of rules air quote to like have to like assign by instead of tracking which allows you to to kind of have more freedom to be able to to make those decisions for yourself, which is really that self-awareness piece we've been talking about too. Like that was what it was for me. You get to decide if it's worth it to you or not, regardless of air quote, any rule you've been told, right? It's, I mean, I have a, a girl in my work, but I love her so much, but she's always, it's either whole 30 paleo, um, you know, gluten-free, uh, what she's, she's done them all. Right. And then, and yeah, in the very beginning, like it's, it's really good. It's working really great. Like the first place, because anytime you're cutting out something and you're adding more nutrient dense food and greens and things like that, it's, it's going to, it's going to show up. Okay. So, I mean, there's no denying that part of like, when you pay attention, things usually work a little bit better. Right. But none of us can pay attention at that kind of, you know, intensity for long. And then all of a sudden it's like, And then she misses bread and then she, you know, things like that are like, you know, the weekend comes along and stuff like that. And it's like, instead of beating yourself up or thinking that nothing ever works for you, it ends up giving you more narratives. And then when she goes to another one, it's like, well, you know, I couldn't eat this on that one but they say I can eat that on this one. So is it going to really work for me? Because these two these two are conflicting and none of them have to do with tracking at all. They're all like kind of free range diets, right? Which I think whole 30 and paleo kind of are like, as long as you're eating within these parameters, it should work for well,
0: you. Think about it. Well, Think of what you said. It's, hey, the draw is you can eat as much as you want. So like intermittent fasting, you eat whatever you want, but we have to restrict somewhere. I had a super nice Uber driver though, that I'll just, again, small devil's advocate, super nice Uber driver, which I was on a um a long Uber ride And he was like, what do you do for work? And I was like, fuck. Um, And I was like, I'm, you know, online coach, nutritionist, whatever. And he was like, oh, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. I was like, fuck, man, how much longer we have on this ride. And he's he lost 80 pounds. And the way he did it was like, hey, I just really started eating more fruits and vegetables, more protein. And I stopped eating so much junk food. And it was like almost the end of his sentence. And that is a very general vague strategy right it's vague it's not specific and that that's okay being non specific has some benefits it's probably less feels like less constraints but it has downsides of less precise honestly less let's be totally honest a much less likelihood of success because it's so vague and everybody fucking knows that already everyone knows already you should eat more fruits and vegetables and protein and less less higher palatable i started eating less ice cream you know i started i went out from like three whiskeys a night to, to one whiskey a week and i'm like this is so amazing that you did this but there's probably 10 other people millions of people who know that this is how you could improve your nutrition and probably indirectly lose weight but it seems that that's not enough either so some amount of some amount of structure seems to be generally healthy helpful sorry because it the general discussion of hey guys i mean if it was as easy as saying that be much healthier so i'm just like just yes they're gonna be people people that succeed with everything on the spectrum of like very general principle based change the way i eat upgraded my general nutrition stop eating as much higher palatable low fiber low protein foods more of the more of the good air quote stuff and people on the other end of the spectrum that track every macro to the gram everything on a food scale and they feel amazing mentally and they, they're totally fine with it and everywhere in between and you're just not going to please every single person um but, but but just to share my thought i think of all of these things like like whole 30 uh intermittent fasting these ad libitum diets that are meant to in, that spontaneously create a caloric reduction through a principle not eat this don't eat after this those to me are more triggering i find for me i find the inclusive nature of tracking of like shit man i got 300 calories left i don't need to place a moral judgment on what i do with them um and i could have an ice cream sandwich from trader joe's is fucking crack cocaine and i feel you know <laughs> i just don't think twice about it now i don't want to just like a, it's easy for you to say we're not going to talk about that content i just don't even want to talk go that go that route um but yeah. I think it can go both ways. i want to be fair. I think that it can go both ways, but I certainly don't think unequivocally that persons like, or the people who shout on Instagram, they're like, tracking's triggering. Like you're a fucking moron. Like that is not true for everybody for sure. And your alternative, like if you're, if you're like tracking is triggering, but then you're like your fellow, your ex-colleague who says tracking's triggering and weight loss might be triggering in general. And we're going to go yes. totally another direction. Cool. If you're like, Hey, tracking's totally. triggering don't do that. Do this instead. I'm probably your thing is going to be just as triggering or potentially as triggering or, or less triggering, but less likely to be beneficial as well. And so we have to weigh the, the pros and cons of these strategies. And so I just, I'm always like this: if there was a non-triggering at all strategy that worked really great, I promise we'd all be doing it.
2: I totally, I totally agree. I, I feel like, um, For me, tracking is like kind of like checking your answers in the back of your math book, like to see if the more objective we can make the process, the more it's going to show you the subjectivity that you apply to these things, your opinions and perceptions that you put on these foods or processes or yourself or your body. Um, like how many clients have you had who feel like they're not losing weight? I mean, I have this client who's been losing, who's lost over 50 pounds. It's taken her probably a year and a half. And if you, we, one of the questions on our biofeedback tracker is your subjective perception of your body composition change, the whole thing. She only counted calling, uh, selected feeling leaner three times in a year and a half. The rest of the time it was bloated more, you know, no change was the most common answer. Right. And so that, that like, we're not that great at assessing ourselves objectively. Um, and that goes for our bodies that goes for food. And one of the best parts of being curious and growing your self-awareness is when you realize you were wrong about your shitty self-limitating self-limiting beliefs. Right. Um, and that I feel like is, again, I totally, I I completely agree with you about this, this, about Ashton. Like if you're just going no dieting, body acceptance, intuitive eating, like go for it. But if you're like no tracking, but I'm still obsessed with weight loss, you might want to get curious about that just for your own quality of life and peace and safety in your body.
0: Is tracking triggering or is fat loss triggering? Is is tracking triggering or is uh, my your body deep, not being good enough. Yeah, yeah, my deep obsession. Or that, or or that you constantly feel
1: like you just firing. can't do it right. I mean, that to me is triggering, right? Yeah, like, totally. The no why like 100%. half the times like you always feel like a failure, that is pretty triggering. And then if you tie them all together, right? It's the same thing with you know your Uber driver. It's like, so now when he has fast food, if he ever does again, Is he going to believe that he's a failure or, or, or heaven, or I'm moving in the wrong direction again, where I had this really great, profound weight loss. And now when I make this decision again, I can't trust myself at McDonald's anymore. It's like, is that really true? Right. Is it, was it really McDonald's or was it that was a time in your life where you didn't have any faith in anything that you could do it. So this was the, the best move for you was to cut this out. Right. We all know like when people, but yeah, hypothetically, if you're like eat as little as possible and exercise a ton, you should be able to lose weight. Okay. To a certain point, right? But we all know that it's like how many people go the whole day, You're like I barely ate anything. But you ate something, you know. But then you ate, ate as little as possible, but it could still be like two thousand calories or three thousand calories, right? And then you're like, I'm eating nothing, and I'm not losing weight, right? It's like, but with data, you can be like, well, I actually did eat two thousand calories today <laughs> because you the know three things I ate yeah, were super ate, calorie. Yeah, days. I mean, yeah. Like we, we're talk, talking about like it's it's like you can spend a dollar in the dollar section and buy you know one thing, or you can go to Louis Vuitton and spend five grand on one thing. And it's still, it's the same kind of thing. It's like without any kind of context or knowledge and, and you don't trust yourself to make these decisions which sometimes this awareness piece is really part of it too. And and it's like same thing with like meal plans and Whole30s like you, can, you can't go off script and trust yourself to make a good decision then the whole thing is just kind of another way to like, just feel more crappy about yourself with less self-awareness. But
2: for a lot of people that's normal and they don't really see any issue with it. And I think the only way to fix it is to lose weight.
0: Yeah. I'm on a big, I'm on a big, uh, I don't know if it's, I'll look back one day and, and see how my thoughts have changed, but like, I'm on a big, I just put a podcast out today about like the why behind fat loss. And I just think that If I have a client who tracking is triggering like 99% of the time, this, this whole thing is triggering this whole pursuit of being smaller is triggering. Like that, that, that is just almost unequivocally the outcome that we come to where it's like fat loss is not right for me. Restriction is not right for me right now. The, the, the pursuit of being lean, how, where I'm putting that in my hierarchy of importance that what I value in life is too high. That is the thing that needs addressing. Um, And, and I'm, I'm realizing that like, we've talked about this a little bit before that there's just such a, um, my, my clientele fall into two buckets. One of which uh, like, I think objectively will see market health improvements from like a biomarker or like a legitimate, I can now do things physically that I could not do before. And that's awesome. And then other people that this is not weight loss is not a pursuit for those things that they won't get. Like it's healthy people trying to get leaner, let's say. It's like, you're all you know, leaner trying to get leaner without market health improvements biomarker wise, or like you're already fit, and it's not like you're going to be like, now I can go on hikes without, or I can go up the stairs without getting out of breath. And, and I'm not that those two people are both allowed to technically under an umbrella in a bubble allowed to pursue fat loss. There's nothing inherently wrong with either person doing that. Um, there's just an element of, uh, you know, if the healthy person, whatever, I don't even want to break it down to those two categories, but I just find it sometimes like this is, is this triggering? Because like, you got probably your priorities a little bit out, not, I I don't get to decide if your priorities are out of whack, but, but, but maybe you, if you were to sit down and explore, this would be like, man, maybe this isn't my happiest life. I, again, I'm not, I don't don't get to decide what people want, but I think it's important. I found, I find myself doing a lot more therapy this day, these days. And I I love it because frankly, (laughs) I love paying that aspect forward. And, and I get just as much pleasure off of a client realizing that, oh my God, Maintenance is amazing. And I'd rather be here than anywhere else forever. And then they go off living their life and they never even lost a pound with me. I mean, that yeah. gives me as much joy, if not more joy than, you know, a, somebody who's lost weight and, and improved their life in some way. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing both totally. ways.
2: Totally. Yep. It's like, it's, it's, I think the why is, can sometimes be hard to to define again, if you're not acquainted with your, with yourself and your history and um, in your own mind, but if, if the process is, is not driven by self-acceptance, it's, it's in pursuit of self-acceptance. Um, and you think that that's coming from changing your body or changing how you look in some way that day will never come. Um, it's about, it's a daily practice of of accepting yourself and, and being curious about how you feel and your behavior and growing that, growing that self-awareness and that self-acceptance.
1: And that's the 75 hard you should do. Mm. Wow! We'll make our own. Actually, wow. next nice podcast, Profound. come up with seventy-five hard things. Eden oh my main, gosh! Eat maintenance for over a year. How about we start with that? Yo, one? fact, 70, seventy-five
0: hard. Try not to lose weight for seventy-five days. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa!
1: Challenge. Whoa. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, gang. Let's let's right. wrap it up. Anything you guys want to leave them with? I think everyone knows where to find us.
1: Thousand percent. And we'll see you on the next episode. That's right. See you
0: in, see you in one month from today.
1: Perfect.
0: All right, guys. Good seeing you guys. Talk to you soon.
2: Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at JordanLipsFitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.